You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin our gathering here today by calling in the spirits. So I begin by calling in that to calling in our ancestors. I'd like to call out to those ancestors who lived well and died well, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives. We call out to those people that carry the legacy for those who are living to help us to learn from their mistakes, to help us to grow and benefit and thrive from the nourishment that they offer from the lives that they lived. We call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to gather round, that we the living might be supported in doing what we have been called here to do, that we might not be diverted and distracted down paths that have been walked before by our own ancestors who found out that that path is not worth the journey. So we call out to those ancestors who have things to teach us, to be with us, that we might learn how to live in a good way for all living things, and that we might bring our soul's purpose out here in the world while we are still young enough to enjoy the fruits of those labors, so that those who are coming have what they need when they arrive. So we call out for these ancestors to gather around us here today to circle round and help us to learn from those who have gone before us. And I call out to the earth below, that most essential ancestor of us all, for all life as we understand it on the face of this planet. And I call out to the earth and the wonder of her dreaming and give great, great gratitude for life. Gratitude for the miracle of life and the beauty and diversity of life as it is manifest on this planet. We give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming, and within that dream is embedded that possibility for humans that any day can be a new day, that there is always another opportunity to begin again, and that as long as we are breathing, we can heal and transform. And we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of that part of the great dream. So we give thanks for home and place and grounding and belonging. We give thanks for the hearth. For a place to gather with others and we give thanks for connection and interconnection and the oneness of all things and we ask the earth to share with us the wisdom of manifestation that we might be here in form in a good way and so with our feet firmly planted in the earth and the ancestors gathered round we reach up through our hearts and our heads all the way out through the sky all the way through all the layers of the sky and out into the cosmos and all the way to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that power call it down i ask you to call that power into yourself into your day and into these proceedings that we might be filled with the blessings that spirit has to offer us that we might be filled with protection and that we might be filled with the generosity and benevolence of this universe. May we feel the inspiration and innovation, creativity and illumination that comes from this energy from above. And we draw that energy down into our minds and our hearts and into our bodies where the energy of the sky can mix with the energy of the earth. And these energies can come together in that great wholeness 
the big love of the Tao. Let these energies mix and merge within us that we might come into our own true nature and invite that spark of fire to ignite in our bellies and in our hearts and in our minds. And so as we call forth the energy of the heart, let us open up to the heart as the crucible of transformation, as that very special place within us that knows how to hold the fiery passions of the belly and the reason that we are here, the great desire to live that the heart can hold those energies with the crystal clarity and practicality and inspiration of the mind, and that these energies can dance together in the heart and transform each other into a third energy, which is your knowing of why you are here. So as you discover those gifts there in your heart, may you find in your heart also the courage to bring those gifts out into the world, and may you do it in at least some small way today. So with the spirits gathered round, the earth below, the sky above, and our heart awakened in the center, may what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard. And may all these proceedings today go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So give great thanks to the presence of spirit in my life and thanks for the presence of spirit in yours, whether you know it or not. And may we all learn how to call on spirit by name and understand all the great beings that are with us. And that we may enter into a conscious relationship with them that we can offer our gratitude and feel their love and their inspiration and their guidance and allow ourselves to live in a way that is informed by spirit day by day. I want to give thanks also to the spirits of the people who donate to keep the show alive and well on the air. The show is free to anyone who has access to a computer, which of course doesn't mean it's completely free. But it is free, and I give thanks to those of you who have donated financially that help to keep the show on the air, to pay the bills, basically. So I thank you very much. I want to give special thanks to Astrid and Stephen and Andrea and all of you who have donated in this past week. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, whether it irritates you or inspires you or gives you pause to think or gives you the courage to go do what it is you weren't quite yet able to do, I ask you to consider to do something to help the show to strengthen and grow. Whether you donate money, whether you share the ideas with friends, and whether you share questions, um, ideas for the shows with me, or even link to the show site, which is whyshamanismnow.com, to your own site. All of these things help the show to grow. So I want to thank all of you for everything you've done since last week and all that you will do. For those of you that don't know, the shows and the archives are available at whyshamanismnow.com. And there's also a support button there on the website, and you can donate any amount, large or small. And if you um, don't feel comfortable paying online, you're welcome to send me an email at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to send you a physical mailing address. So thank you all for joining me here today, and thank you for supporting the show, for listening, and for your kind emails um, thanking me for the show. I appreciate it all. So today I'm going to tiptoe through the minefield of the topic of curses. I'm going to do my best. It's a big topic, but I'll um, hopefully be able today to talk a little bit about the basics of curses. Um, So if you have any questions, we are live this week and you're invited to call in at 512-772-1938 or to Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or as always, you are welcome to email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I will read your question on the air. So, what we need to understand 
okay, yes, curses are real. Now, not everything we think is a curse is, and many of the things we don't think curses are. So that's kind of what I'd like to sort out today. But I'll start with the basics of curses. So as you know from the way I call in spirit every week for the show, I believe in blessings. I believe in the power of blessings. I believe that blessings are real. And I know that um, the blessings of a mother on a child's head protects that child in that day. I know from my experience in life that blessings are real. That also means that I need to accept that curses can also be real. If I can benefit others through my words, through my intent, I can also harm others through my word and my intent. And so this is, this is really the trade-off here, the balance in life is between uh, blessings and curses. They are, they are similar. They are, they are different uses, different intentions of the same kind of energy, I guess, is the way we can think about this. Um, so the ability to send a curse or to send a blessing has been with humankind in almost every culture since the beginning of people. Maybe even before the beginning of people, but I don't know for sure about that. But definitely since the beginning of people. And cursing continues in almost every culture as either a casual and uneducated act, but nonetheless harmful, or as a skilled art form. So curses can be intentional or unintentional, They can also be self-inflicted or sent by another, usually as an ill-advised response to the other person's anger, resentment, jealousy, envy, or greed. So the thing to understand about curses, again, is there's a huge range between the unintentional, somewhat unconscious, and unskilled act angry act or jealous act of of verbally cursing someone and it goes from a range from that curse which may or may not be terribly harmful for the person it was intended i mean think about teen think about when you were a teenager and how angry and jealous and dramatic life was because of your hormones were raging and how you were so angry at that boy for doing this or angry at that girl for doing that and the horrible horrible things that teenagers say that's the beginning of learning how to curse now granted it's unintentional somewhat and unskilled and may or may not be all that harmful relatively speaking but it hurts and if that um harmful intent uh takes rest in a in another person who already wonders about that problem within themselves it can do a great deal of harm if they're already being told they're stupid at home and you've just told them they're stupid in front of your classmates that message gets in and so this is what i mean by common everyday unintentional uneducated cursing it's real happens in families all the time but there's a range of reality around curses that goes all the way from that which is uneducated and unintentional through a range of skills and gathering of sort of momentum of working with spirit to a point where someone where the the crafting of a curse is a skilled art form Um, a dark art certainly but an art form nonetheless And it's important to understand that as we travel around the world, we are exposed 
to different cultures and different skill levels around crafting curses. And so it's very important to move through the world uh, spreading the love and um, going through the world in, in the best way that you can to create peace and reconciliation as you go, especially in cultures that you don't understand. It's really, really valuable to do your best to um, not uh, force everyone into love and light, but to stay in that yourself and endeavor as you go through the world to act in such a way that creates reconciliation and peace, if not agreement, laughter, and brother and sisterhood because of the possibility of this huge range from unintentional to very intentional and very skillful curses. Now, the thing about cursing that's interesting is that cursing harms everyone. The curse may or may not harm the person intended, depending on whether the person it's intended for is, um, allows the curse in or whether the curse is good enough to get in. There's a whole lot of factors around that we can talk about. But the other thing to realize, and this is one of the things that I did not learn from my shamanic teachers, but I have learned through doing ancestral clearing work and um, working with energetic clearing with people today, is that casting curses on others is, can be a reason you personally get stuck here when you die because it leaves your life unreconciled relative to the rest of life and humanity. So... It's not a, you know, as I've said before, there is no free ride. Nothing comes for free. Everything requires energy from somewhere. And to clear out of here at the end of our lives, we need to be able to reconcile those balances of energy. And so cursing may make, you know, someone who's really good and skilled at cursing others may get lots of business and make lots of wealth, whatever wealth looks like in that culture, Um, in this lifetime, but that doesn't necessarily mean that person's scales will be balanced when they try to leave. And so um, you can't, cursing in and of itself does create debt for the person creating that harm. Now, what's interesting is the person who wants the curse to happen is not always the person who crafts the curse, if we're talking about the skillful art form of creating curses. And so sometimes there is someone who is angry, jealous, envious, wants to retaliate, wants revenge, or is greedy. And, and particularly the greed or lust for things in life that are not yours. And it's not that you don't deserve love. It's that perhaps you're not to have love from that person. Right? So that's what I mean by greed or lusting after things that are not yours, that Um, I see a lot of clients who create trouble in their own life because they are lusting after things in life that are not theirs to be had in that way. I don't know any other way to say that more clearly. But anyway, my point is the person who wants the curse to happen may not be the person crafting the curse. And so then there's the person with the intention of the curse who may may or may not be sending the curse. And that person ends up with an energetic debt as well. And so cursing... Overall, intentional or unintentional, harms everyone involved. And so it's very important to remember that. 
as you're crafting your way through life. Um, that as far as I can tell, and all the cleanup work that I've done for ancestors that are stuck here in between the worlds, that um, being in debt to the spirit world because you've used energy to harm others is um, not worth the effort. It's not worth the fun you have in this life because there is a lot to be reconciled and pay and to to reconcile in your life at the end. And so this is the thing about cursing. It's not free. It's not free for anybody. And the reason for that is a curse is made up of components. One is the intention. The other is the energy that fuels it. And then the third component is where it's going or the target or the person, the direction that it's going in. And so it's that that middle piece there, the energy needed to fuel the curse. It takes life force from somewhere. And those accounts need to be reconciled at the end of your life. And that's, it's simple. It's real simple math, people. It's real simple energy math. So anyway, so moving right along then, um, just to cover the basics then of cursing. We covered the basic reasons why curses happen, which is anger, resentment, jealousy, envy, greed, those kinds of emotions and, and a person's inability or unwillingness to do the personal work to move beyond those very human responses to things. You know, there's, there's really nothing wrong with feeling something in the moment as a natural, perhaps even sane response to the moment. The issue is when we get stuck on a feeling and churn around it and then allow it to motivate us to make decisions that are ultimately not wise. That's really what we're talking about. There's nothing wrong with having a momentary feeling of greed or lust or a momentary feeling of resentment or jealousy or envy as long as it passes and moves on in your, your um, human experience of the moment. The issue is when we get stuck there and act from those places. And that's where cursing can tend to happen. So... We covered the fact that cursing harms, period. It harms everybody, actually, ultimately, either during life or after. And that curses can happen with or without skill. And that the last, probably most important thing to think, just to cover, is that protection from curses. And the thing to realize, so when I was working with um, Maladoma Somme, who comes from a culture that... um, does uh, carry in it still the art of crafting a good curse and thus also the art of unraveling curses um, as part of their cultural heritage. One of the things that um, he said about a really good curse maker is that they're really able to see that one crack in your boundary that the curse can get through. And it's almost like making a lock I mean, a key to fit the lock or the, uh, a projectile that's going to precisely fit through that particular hole in your own energy field. And so what he's talking about is the very simple perspective that I've shared in every show we've ever talked about protection, which is these energies that would seek to invade and harm are opportunistic. Now, often they're lazy and opportunistic, but with curses, I don't know that we can say lazy, but they are opportunistic. And so our greatest protection relative to cursing 
is to not have opportunity in our energy field. And opportunity is created by our own unresolved issues around our past and our attachment and neuroses about the future. And so the more that we can come into the moment with ourselves, clearing the past, and I have talked about this on many shows and will, I'm sure, in many more shows. So clearing the past, clearing ourselves from the way how we are stuck in the past and pulling ourselves back from attachment to the future and living in the moment in relationship with our spirit help so that our boundaries are reinforced by the love of our helping spirits and doing what we've come here to do. So that we are filled with passion and we're not longing for a life we're not living. We're not lusting after other people's lives, but we're really happy and fulfilled in our life. That kind of person's really hard to curse. They're happy. They're full. They're, they're infused with life force because they're doing what they've come here to do. Their life is filled with passion. And because they are doing their personal work, those, those opportunities that a curse would exploit are being closed all those little windows are being closed and so that's the most important thing to remember is you don't have to be vulnerable to any curses even really skilled curses curses work because there is an opportunity to exploit in your energy body and that opportunity is the place you do not yet know yourself because you have learned to be afraid of that aspect of yourself it's kind of that simple so protection is possible. It has to do with coming into right relationship with yourself, with other people, with the spirit world, with the energy of the divine, with the fact that you're here as a human, and with your environment, with your destiny. That if you can come into right relationship with all of these energies, you're kind of uncursable. So that's the basics of it. Um, one man that I took a, a short workshop with about these ki- kinds of things offered that, you know, his perspective is that our ability to laugh in the face of fear, in the face of what scares us, and um, to have patience with ourselves and patience with others, and to, to do our spirit work. In other words, to do what we understand is necessary to do to call in um, protection from spirit. There are many different ways to do that, um, but part of it is recognizing that if we are going to be extra brilliant in our passionate life moving towards our destiny, we need to bring in some extra help um, for our boundaries because what we are offering is that much more attractive to others. And then the other thing to understand about curses is that they need to be reflected back. And this is um, flies in the face of the New Age movement. But the thing to understand about a curse is you don't want to get into relationship with it. Even a loving relationship with this idea that you're going to send love and light back to the person who sent the curse, yada, yada, yada. That creates an opening. It creates a relationship that is can then be manipulated. The important thing about these energies is one not giving them an opportunity to get in by doing your personal work truly deeply honestly compassionately but the second thing is to reflect them back directly without changing anything without adding anything without adding love and light 
but also without adding anger and resentment that you're being attacked. The important thing is neutrality. And that's, so that's one of the most important things to understand about curses, especially if you put yourself in a position where others resent you on a daily basis. It's very important that when you think about your boundary of your energy field, that you think of it as a mirrored boundary, that it simply reflects things back without prejudice. And then go about your business. Okay. So that's kind of the basics, curse, curse basics. Um, and in particular, and in particular protection basics. So I'm going to talk a little bit more now about what's kind of more common in America, at least with cursing. We, I do get clients who believe that they are cursed and sometimes it's accurate Sometimes it is something else that's going on that feels like they're cursed. And that's what I'd like to get to today is not just describe sort of how this intentional and unintentional cursing really shows up in our lives, but also to understand that there's lots of sort of shamanic illnesses, not the shaman's illness, but illnesses that could be addressed through shamanism that feel like curses. Um, And I'm going to talk about that at the end of the show. But I want to um, share um, some uh, thoughts from Betsy Bergstrom from the first show that she did with us back in 2009. The topic was heart-centered depossession and shamanic healing, and the the full show is available in the archives. Um, But I'm going to highlight a part that Betsy um, spoke about, about curse unraveling. She talked about curses and curse unraveling. So this is, this, um, is kind of from that uh, conversation. And so Betsy explained it this way. She says, you know, people are traveling all over the world these days and people are going through exotic places and occasionally running into difficulties and coming back with curses that they feel they picked up in these different cultures. And as Americans, we aren't always aware that cursing is something that has been part of almost every culture from the beginning. She continues to say that curses can be intentional or unintentional, and the unintentional is perhaps the most common form of curses today, particularly in America. Um, We are often the source of our own unintentional curses, but others can be the source of unintentional cursing as well. Um, Like I was saying earlier in the show, just think about all of the envy and jealousy you felt in your teenage years and um, all of the, the... horrible harassment around um, gender variant kids. I mean, what kid isn't actually gender variant in their teenage years, right? When you're trying to figure out what's going on. So all of that horrible harassment is cursing at its, at its highest form. And um, not highest skilled form, but in its, its strongest um, fueled in its intent and its life force. I mean, Children have tons of life force, and when they start throwing it around in um, harmful directions, it's very, very powerful. Um, And so we actually see a great deal of cursing and the damage that it causes to children that feel they are different um, in our school systems. It's it's imperative. Um, If you are listening to this show and you are 
a parent, it is imperative that you help your children understand both sides of the cursing issue, not only how to protect themselves, but also how to not do it. And in that, you'll probably have to look at how you might be doing it in your own family. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But anyway, back to Betsy. So an intentional curse means that somebody wants to harm someone else or cause some kind of effect in someone's life to happen. Um, So for example, for me, um, the first, when I was just barely starting shamanism, a woman from Mexico who had a series, uh, a series, a chain, and whatever that's called, of restaurants um, here in the States and brought actually a lot of people up from Mexico to help them immigrate here and get jobs and work, um, had gone home to Mexico and had been cursed while she was home by someone who was jealous of her success here in the United States. And she asked through a friend for my help. I never actually met the woman. And at the time, I journeyed about it to find out what was going on and was it a curse and did I have the ability to fix it? Or help in any way. And what my helping spirits told me at the time is at that time, I didn't have the ability to help this woman without causing harm on myself and my family. And I was not willing to bring harm upon my family. And what the spirits explained to me is that the person who had created this curse was a very skilled curse maker in Mexico. It was a very, very skilled brujo and that um, there would be repercussions on anyone who um, endeavored to unravel this curse unless the person knew what they were doing. And at that time in my practice, you know, I was just learning to do soul retrievals and extractions. I didn't have any idea about curse unraveling at that time. And I didn't want to harm my family. And But what the spirits did offer the woman is they said that she needed to go back to Mexico because she knew of three people who were skilled at curse unraveling and would be quite happy and able to unravel the curse for her. So they did give her a path forward for healing. I just wasn't the path at that time, given my stage of development and my willingness to bring harm on my family, which I wasn't willing. And unfortunately, she didn't go back to Mexico or if she did, she didn't. Um, employ the help of these other people and she did eventually there was a a a series of mishaps mostly car accidents that she lived through the first one and didn't do anything and then got hurt in the next one but was okay and then got hurt more seriously in the next one and then finally was killed in a car accident and that's kind of the way curses work is they eventually overwhelm us And it is important if spirits have given you a path to unravel or to heal a curse to follow it um, because they they can be real. And in this case, for this woman, it was real. And that really opened my eyes and made me realize as a practitioner that I had to learn, well, one, that curses were real. And two, that I needed to learn how to work with them or I would be, you know, not as helpful as I should be to my clients. So the thing about an intentional curse then is it has a strong intention and that it has to have something that fuels it, whether that is the life force of the person who is who has the intention to send the curse or the life force of the person who's creating the curse because the person with the intention may employ someone to create it. 
if we're looking in that, for example, in that situation with the woman from Mexico. Um, and then another way that life forces gain, though, to fuel the curses would be the sacrifice of an animal and then to draw that life force in to fuel the curse. Now, this is not something that Betsy shared in the show, but I think it's important to understand that in ancient shamanism, another source that would fuel a curse would be the spirit of someone who had not lived well or died well and then got stuck here between the realms on their way out after they died. And so a sorcerer who, or someone who was a cra- uh, skilled curse creator would observe those people in their community that were not living well and were not upholding the standards of the community and were basically, you know, greedy or miserly or hurtful or harmful to other people because they would not die easily. They would not go easily when they died. They might die easily, but they wouldn't, their spirit wouldn't leave easily when they died. And that kind of spirit could be captured. And so now you had the spirit of an entire human, which is a lot of energy. It's not just a piece of a human's life force. It's this huge spirit, this whole spirit energy that the sorcerer could capture and then embed into these curses that they would make that would animate these um, creations. And so that is an ancient form of um, sorcery in um, that, you know, that is kind of like the sister um, art form to shamanism. And it would take a a skilled shaman to be able to um, undo that. And I have occasionally found these energies now thousands of years later still operating in people's lives and they and needing to be unraveled and so these these curses set in motion give if they've got enough life force can keep moving and keep rolling through potentially generation after generation after generation so it's incredibly important to one, not create more curses and two, begin to unravel those that have been created because they don't necessarily die with the person who's been cursed, but often continue to roll on through the generations. So as Betsy was saying, an intentional curse has the intent. It has the fuel um, that, and they're fused together in a way that they can then be sent to the target or to the person. Um, And then, um, so that's really the basics of an intentional curse. Now, with an unintentional curse, um, this is how Betsy discovered actually this sense of unintentional curses. She says that people were coming to her thinking that they were possessed, um, that some possessing spirit was causing some of the problems that were occurring in their life. And then Betsy began to see that it might not actually be a being. So a possession really means a being is um it has intruded into your life and so at the initially betsy was saying that she was puzzled by what was going on because it seemed that there was a possession the person was being influenced but there wasn't a being there doing the influencing okay so what she did find in some of these situations is, is that the person was as if they were possessed by what she would call come to call a thought form And so Betsy defines these thought forms as a packet of energy that have intention or some kind of message. And that message can be sent intentionally um, 
but not usually the message might be sent intentionally like, oh, you're so stupid, right? But that is not intended necessarily as a curse. So it's an unintentional curse, though the message may have been spoken on purpose. Okay. So Betsy then discovered in her research, because she researches this sort of stuff in many traditions, is that this type of sort of thought form intrusion then is um, often called an obsession or or whatever it's called is translated to the word obsession in these other cultures and is not actually considered a possession. So the simplest way then to understand curses is to look at them energetically and practically and to not get caught up in the emotion that's usually not only behind what is fueling the intent and the energy in the curse, but also the unresolved emotions in the target person that are allowing the curse to get in. So there's a, the, the situations are charged and dramatic and have a lot of emotional energy to them. And if we get caught up in that, we'll miss the point entirely. So it's really just um, best or, or but most effective, not best, but most effective to think of it practically. Now, I also strongly suggest that you don't Google curses. <laughs> I did. It was a nightmare. Uh, what a scary mess of misunderstandings, of arrogance, and of spiritual bigotry. Yikes. I mean, you have got to remember that God loves everything equally. Everything. God loves the cursor and God loves the cursed. So you need a whole lot more than praying to the right God in the right way to address curses compassionately. And keep in mind that arrogance of any kind, particularly spiritual arrogance, in other words, I've got the right religion, I'm the one who's doing it right, my God's best, all that kind of spiritual arrogance, that creates a weakness towards being cursed, not protection from curses. Because arrogance in any form is one of the biggest windows a curse can punch in through. Easy peasy, right? Arrogance is ask it's arrogance is like putting a sign up that says, please either punch me or curse me. Right? I mean <laughs> so so even spiritual arrogance or in particular spiritual arrogance opens up a window. It certainly does not create energetic protection. You know, our strongest source of protection comes from our capacity to love, not in the romantic, getting carried away, silly way, but to truly, fiercely love life, to respect diversity, and to honor all things. And when you stand in a stance like that, you begin to stand in a place that will evolve out into protection. But any sort of sorting you begin to do in your mind about the others is creating a vulnerability in your energy field because you need to learn then to have compassion and to see yourself in the other. And so your life will start giving you those opportunities. And so that is a vulnerability and a window for those experiences to come in. It's really that simple. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit distracted. So back to the practicality of looking at the energy and curses. So whether they are intentional or unintentional, curses have these particular components in them. First, there is the intention. Someone has to have the intent to send it or to set the curse in motion by paying someone to do it for them. Now, the second and most critical piece 
in the curse is the life force or the fuel or whatever um, is given to the curse as en- to give it energy. So it's also important to understand curses are created by humans. So make no mistake about that. There is no energy in the curse other than what we give them. Even if the we is the sorcerer who's captured the spirit of a dead human and put it into the curse, it's still human energy being used. And the only reason that sorcerer could capture that spirit was because they used their free will in their life to live in a way that was not reconciled and not good for other living things. And so they, their exit was slowed down. So the sorcerer was able to grasp them. Right, So all of this all boils down to human choices. Right? It's human energy that fuels curses. Curses do not come from some evil apart from humans. Curses are a part of the evil that human beings create with their intention and their life force, whether they do that intentionally or unintentionally. So that's the most important thing to understand about the life force that fuels a curse is it comes one way or another, it comes from us. Which is why in the end, cursing ends up harming everybody. Not because I'm talking morally, I'm talking practically and energetically. You're taking the energy from somewhere and in the end of your life, you need to account for that choice. And this is not moralistic. It's math. It's energy math. Okay, so... Part one, intention. Part two is this life force or energy. And then the part three of that makes it a curse is that it has a direction or a target or a place that it's going. It's a place that it can penetrate or land or infuse, however you think about it, right? And so Betsy sees curses as packets of intention with life force that can actually create havoc for people. And so common curses in this culture are the curse of you're no good, you're stupid, you're worthless, right? A common self-curse would be thoughts like, I don't want to be here or I want to die. Now, don't panic. We've all had those thoughts in some moment of life because life is messy, right? But don't panic. We all have bad days. We all think really stupid things once in a while in our moments of weakness. We've all been teenagers, right? We've all been kids that were scared. We've all been lovers that got jilted. We've all been people that have been betrayed. We've all been there, right? So don't panic. We've all had those weak moments. Now, it's a good practice when we recover from those weak moments to erase those thoughts, to intentionally Tell that big dreaming universe to erase those thoughts that you had, that you would rather not have had, like you're so stupid or I want to die, right? You want to erase those intentionally. Self-curses are generated, generated when we renew the curse, when we keep thinking it, when we add feeling to the power of it, when we put a lot of energy into it either through repetition through emotion, and in particular, through our indulgence. We are a ho- Americans, I'll speak for Americans, we are an enormously indulgent culture. And by indulging in our pain, indulging in our suffering, indulging in those energies, we add fuel to these kinds of 
uh, curses, to renew the curses. And that ultimately, we give a curse a strength by believing it. So they, you know, they, they, whoever they are, they do studies about if you tell a kid he's, he or she is stupid, they'll act stupid in school. And then you test them and you find out they're really smart, but they decided they're stupid. So they are stupid. That's a curse that happens in a family because the parents are telling the kid they're stupid. So eventually they, they're hurt by that. There's a lot of emotion in it. They take it on. They start thinking it, eventually believe it, and then it becomes reality. And it's like totally affected and shaped the development of the child, right? We know that from child development. That's cursing. It's unintentional. It's still cursing. So it's possible to transfer a curse from parent to child or between two people in some type of relationship so that one person is actually needing to listen to the other person. So in other words, if someone I don't know and have no, just a random human being walks by me every day, let's say it's the habit of passing and every day I walk by and they say to me, you're a slob. I don't care. It doesn't matter that this person I have no connection with and no relationship says that to me. I have more than enough self-confidence, protection from the spirit world, sense of my own innate divine energy, that that's going to bounce right off, right? But if someone I love dearly says that to me every day, someone whose opinion I care about, someone I have brought in to my inner circle in my life says the same thing to me every day, it's going to matter differently. Right, I don't have to let it matter, but I'm going to have to work now on whether or not it matters. So the point is, the relationship matters for this kind of sort of unconscious, unintentional cursing. But when things get repeated, like you're a slob or you're a quitter or you're the worst mom in the world, I hate you. You know, like I said, there's a lot of power in teenagers. They can do a lot of damage and don't know they're doing it. They need to be raised with values and understanding about the energy world so by the time they hit their teenage years they've got some internal um, gauge that keeps them from throwing all that hormonally charged energy into that kind of nastiness it's a very very hard time and whatever damage they do in that time they've got to dig themselves back out of after so anyway moving right along uh so the type of statement, that, that type of statement, these, all of these that I've been sharing, um, can become a curse that is put on a person originally. And then it can become a self-curse as the person begins to repeat that truth to themselves. So, in other words, there are many reasons that we start repeating a truth to ourselves. And then we can't stop it because the part of ourself that's repeating that truth to ourself is now a lost soul part. Or that part of ourself that's repeating that truth to ourselves is in the shadow. Or that part of ourself that's repeating that truth is a part we're not communicating with that we're in denial of. And so we're not listening. And so our ability to stop saying those things to ourselves can be affected by these sort of different states of shamanic illness and our ability to stop saying those things to ourselves. Uh, Once again, we're coming back around to, again, the importance of our own self-awareness. 
of bringing all those unresolved aspects of ourself back into consciousness, doing our shadow work to bring our shadow selves back into our conscious awareness and getting our soul retrievals to bring our lost soul parts back. All of these things are important for two reasons, to stop our own self-cursing, but also to reinforce our protection and to make us more invulnerable to the cursing that comes from others. So the other challenge here is when the speaker has no relationship to us. In other words, we have no reason to believe or take in a word he or she is saying, but we do. So why would we do that? And that would be because we already believe it ourselves. So we already have this place of self-denial. So I, so it would mean I am in denial of a part of myself that already says to myself, you're so stupid. But I'm in denial of that because that's so painful that somewhere I took in that painful message. It hurts. I don't want to feel it. So I'm in denial of it. So why would I listen to some random person telling me that I'm so stupid? Because someone inside of me is already telling me that. And so that is another reason that random cursing with people we have no relationship with can become hurtful because we already have that great big open window that says, here, anybody who's got a curse about how stupid I am, come on in because you're holding that denial yourself. And so this is why these energies that we hold that we're in denial of or our shadow parts or our lost soul parts, all of these aspects of ourselves are important to bring back for both sides, for the protection issue, but also so that we simply don't curse ourselves. So, oh my gracious, we're running out of time. So let's talk about unraveling curses. So this is how Betsy describes these steps, and I, and I largely agree with them. So I just wanted to reinforce this show um, that's already there in the archives. So the first step is to really investigate the components of the curse, not the drama, but to find that idea that is the old idea that you, the client, really don't believe in anymore. And then you can work with the client um, in, in different energetic ways or in a journey um, to track the energy that's been identified as the problematic energy back to its origin. And given this, then it's really important that you're actually tracking the correct energy. And I find that humans tend to get caught up in the drama. And it's important to get spirits sort of confirmation before you go do all the work to unravel things. That you're really tracking the true energy that's underneath all of this. Um, and so what you're looking for is the kind of thing that was said when the client, usually when the client was young, which he or she took in and then regularly renewed themselves. And so then the other thing is, of course, in shamanic journey states, we're not bound by time or space. And so instead of getting into this big battle between good and evil around the curse energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which was part of all that scary stuff you can see on when you Google things and find out on the Internet – from a shamanic state, we can do this really pretty easily because we can move outside of space and time. We can go back to the beginning when the curse began before it had all this momentum, all this power, all this reinforcement. And we can pull the energy out right there at the beginning. And so we go back to that moment um, when that thought was put in motion with a lot of power and force. And then the important thing to understand is that the life force that gets pulled out needs to be purified and recycled in some way if the, if the original source is dead, is no longer with us. If, the, if that person is still living, then there are other considerations of what needs to happen with that 
life force. But back to the client, where the client has been renewing the curse and it's become a self-curse, and so his or her own life force is being used in the curse, then um, the client's life force needs to be pulled out of the curse. And then the... um, that life force itself needs to be transformed or cleansed or somehow brought back to neutral. Um, and then that energy is returned to the client as an energy retrieval. Now at that stage, I really listen to spirit. And sometimes um, spirit has said, you know, this, this energy simply needs to be given up and let the person open up to new energies coming in. And so often there's, there's even an exchange because the old energy is just so tainted that it needs to be um, transformed in some way. But anyway, the point is, if it's become a self-curse, the person needs their energy back. And finally, the client needs to be clear what they want to think now instead of that old belief, that old thought form, and to be prepared going forward to notice themselves in the old habit of thinking, the old habit of being, and to release that and to, cre- and to really actively engage in creating new healthy habits. And eventually it will become the new habit. So it's not like you have to think about this for the rest of your life. But things have momentum. Everything has momentum in the physical world that's present. And so if you're going to make a change like that, it's really good to think about if I'm not going to think this anymore, what am I going to think instead? Because in that moment... If you don't know what you're going to do instead, you will revert back to the old because it's easier because the pathways to go that way are already laid down. And so it's very important how you follow through. And I talk with people about how that's taking responsibility for closing the window, closing that opening for the curse to come in. Okay, so when is a curse not a curse? (laughs) Um, As I was saying, there, there are some shamanic situations that do create symptoms that seem like, oh my God, I've been cursed. I just can't, can't shift this. And so the first thing, one of the most prominent things that proves to not actually be a curse is the need for ancestral healing. So in other words, there is an unresolved ancestral issue, an unresolved issue with the dead, basically, in your family line. That is, and that unresolved issue is being handed down generation after generation, and it's looking suspiciously like a curse. It's not. It's just a need for ancestral healing. And um, many of you don't know, ancestral healing can be done relatively easily long distance long distance, because it's all done in the journey. Um, and so if you are interested in ancestral healing, um, you can um, contact me through the website, lastmasscenter.org, or email me, and we can sort set that up. Now, ancestral, to continue, ancestral healing can also involve curses. Sometimes the curse comes, um, one of the most interesting things ones was um, a really powerful, essentially shamanic practitioner right at the times when the times were changing from these earth-based practices to more of the organized religion as we know it today. And this woman was being um, preyed upon. And was um, being forced to change her ways and um, it wasn't really a witch hunt. But anyway, the point is she was ultimately killed because she refused to forswear her evil ways from their perspective. 
And she was so angry at the moment of her death for being killed for these things because, frankly, she knew that she was right, that her practices were beautiful and love-based and divine-based and all this stuff. And in the moment of being killed, in her anger that she was being killed for such a stupid reason and that this was actually the end of her otherwise legendary life, she cursed her killer. It's like that moment of not being able to help herself and lashing out in anger and in self-defense. And then she died. So there wasn't that next moment where she could pull it back, where she could return to the love and the connection and the interconnectedness and honoring the other and all these other parts that were part of her spiritual practice. So she'd lived her whole life honoring all those things. And in that moment of her death, because it was so stupid, she cursed the guy and what got stuck here. She was so relieved to be released from that. Because she so wanted to be an ancestral helping spirit for her descendants and to bring the beauty of her teachings forward into the next generations. And she was so mad at herself for that one slip up and not having that extra breath to take it back before she died. And so, yes, that's a little bit dramatic story, but there can be curses in the ancestral healing that needs to be happened. Literal, old, good old, strong, old-fashioned curses. Um. There's also sometimes a need for ancestral healing that involves conspiracies, intent to harm, or even the acts of a sociopath in the past. And these issues of ancestral healing often look very much like curses here in the lives of the living. There are intrusions of energy that are not technically curses that need to be removed. Now, I realize that becomes a bit of semantics, like shamanic semantics, but there are things that shouldn't be called curses. I mean, I really think we should reserve the word curse for things that are curses, but that's just me. Um, There are particular kinds of energy theft that leave us deficient in a very particular way. And so our inability to do whatever that is, like we lose an energy of the third chakra, we lose something around our will and power, and we start to feel that we're cursed because we're unable to act powerfully in the world. So it's not a curse. It's an energy deficiency, but it feels like a curse. The other thing really typical for contemporary Americans is simply chronic mishap, things going always the wrong way and just feeling like, oh, my God, my life must be cursed. Everybody else's life is so much easier. Well, that's not a curse, people. That's you not working with your helping spirits. That kind of chronic low-grade mishap is you are not in the level of working relationship you need to be with your helping spirits to make your life go easily. So that's a simple one for you to fix. Um, there can be energy body distortions which are very similar to the energy theft that can create a feeling of being cursed now this is the most important one which I'll close the show with your personal beliefs there are people that simply decide to believe some really crazy things and because of that their life keeps following those beliefs and messing up And in that, they feel cursed because these things keep happening over and over and over again. But the problem is they're not cursed. They just have really malformed beliefs about how the world works. And so one of the things that I teach people year one of the four-year training is if something is not working for you, stop carrying it around, including your beliefs about how the world works. (laughs) So that is the final piece of what is a part of effectively our own self-curses is to carry around ideas that do not resonate with the deeper energetic reality of what is going on here. 
And that, of course, is the greatest gift for my helping spirits is to help us understand what is going on here in a real way. So I'm out of time, everyone. Thank you for indulging me for an hour in rambling on about curses. I hope it's helpful. I want to give thanks to our ancestral helping spirits who are so very helpful. I want to thank them for joining us here today. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart in the center that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week and have a great week. And I'll see you next week.